0: It's a four cookie night. I just have to have ice cream every day. Some people like drugs. I love Cheez Its. And I've been on a binge with Mr. Sugar.
1: Do you hear these kinds of statements?
0: Yes, I do. These are the kinds of things that our clients tell us. Mm. You're walking in our office. Mmm.
1: Yeah, I think people really think that craving is abnormal, like there's something wrong with them, and that they are really kind of looking for a cure for craving. But I really have found, and I'd like to kind of talk about it, that actually cravings are normal.
0: Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dig into the topic of cravings. Mm. Yeah.
2: Welcome to the Sweet Support Podcast. In this podcast, we'll explore the joys and challenges of fitting diabetes care into your life. With curiosity and compassion, we'll show you how nutrition, a personalized approach, small steps, and supports will give you a map for day-to-day health decisions and self-care. Here are your hosts, Marianne Evans-Ramsey and Migrette Fletcher, diabetes educators and dietitians for Wemble Health Partners.
0: Hi, Miriam. Hey, Maigrette. How are you?
1: Good. Good. I'm excited about this topic. Yeah, it's a good one. It is. Really
0: important. Juicy. Really important, yeah. It is yeah.
1: really, really juicy because yeah. I think everybody is really wanting to kind of break free of this, you know, and I'm, I'm putting up air quotes addiction mm-hmm. that we
0: have mm-hmm. and how people feel very broken around their cravings. Mm-hmm they do and um, they really they they have a lot of angst about it a lot of they feel really
1: troubled by it yeah they're concerned and they really feel like oh you know if i could just break free of this craving then everything would be great
0: you know and often the cravings are connected with overeating and that's where the concern seems to be um, and the concern with overeating can lead to higher blood sugar so that's you know why we're hearing about it a lot and so we want to start first with just um, taking a look at the physiological and physical needs around fueling our bodies. We, um, ha- we want to reference back to um, other episodes of our podcast because we um, really emphasize that nutrition is the foundation, um, certainly a foundation of health, and we did go into more depth in our episode called What the Heck to Eat. Um, looking at taking uh, care of our bodies with feeding and nourishing our bodies. So please take a look at that if you'd like to understand that piece of it. And um, Migret, tell us where we could run into some challenges with feeding ourselves. Well, I think the first one is imagine a
1: pendulum. So you can imagine a pendulum. As something that swings between two extremes. And I think that that's exactly how many people approach food and nutrition. So, on one end of the pendulum is this idea of hunger, and it's really uncomfortable hunger. And then on the other end of the pendulum is this fullness, and it's really uncomfortable fullness. So, if you can imagine hunger as being this very, very loud, irritating, unpleasant noise, and fullness, Um, sometimes we get so full it's also very very loud and unpleasant and when we're in either of these extremes I think it's very very hard for us to uh, change our diet and actually feel really empowered and so what I'd like to do is kind of imagine that loud noise of hunger and saying what would happen if I recognized it when it was a little bit quieter when it wasn't screaming in my ears and imagine as i start eating as that pendulum starts moving to the other side because with every bite i'm moving closer and closer to fullness that i stop when fullness is again pleasant versus loud and and painful to our ears Mm -hmm. so we're changing the arc of that pendulum swing back and forth So Marianne, kind of what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I can see how operating on the extremes of the pendulum could lead to a craving from a physiological standpoint because the body is just like giving you this really wicked strong signal like, eat, you know, and when we really need that fuel, our body is going to be gravitating towards the quick fuel that it knows will remedy that pain, that loud you know. It's survival at this point. Yes, it is.
1: We've really triggered this really survival um, response when we're super, super hungry, and it makes sense that we might skip over a comfortable level of fullness because we have such a loud hunger. So we can see that pendulum swinging back and forth and back and forth from uh, I overeat, I won't eat again, then I don't eat, then I get super hungry, then now that I'm super hungry, I overeat, Then I say, I'm not going to eat anymore, yeah. and so then, you know, it swings back and back forth, and forth, and back yeah. and forth, and back and forth. And so as we start kind of really recognizing these cues, the physiological cues, your body needs nutrition in order to function, as you've mentioned, and I love how you phrase providing. Have I provided my body with nutrition? So that's really one of the questions that most of our clients have. And they go, I really want to provide my body with nutrition, but I don't know how. Have you heard that?
0: Yes. There's just so much um, confusion and lack of confidence around feeding their bodies. And so you know the sort of the foundation one of those foundation pieces is taking a look at when you're at least labeling labeling something as a craving is have i taken care of myself on this very basic nourishing physiological level to fuel
1: right so you can imagine oh did i eat breakfast no i didn't eat breakfast did i eat lunch no i didn't eat lunch Well, that would make sense that I would be starving.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I had a meeting, I, you know, it just went over. I I just, I said, all right, I'm gonna wait till dinner now. I have just missed that opportunity. I'll just keep going. Right, and so we can see how we're setting ourselves up for these
1: cravings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that one of the things that happens is when we have these cravings, like you said, the brain almost shuts off, kind of goes to the kind of survival or default mode, kind of we're in autopilot now, and so it's hard for us to really access our inner wisdom. And so I'd like to share, if it's okay, um, some some questions that people could ask. And these are questions that Dr. Michelle May, as she's an author, and she wrote a book called Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat. She crafted these, and I just really like how they're so such a helpful tool yeah please please share that okay so the three questions she asks is when you find yourself kind of really struggling or even just having this craving kind of emerge ask yourself what do I want now don't don't worry it's not going to make the craving worse it's just going to help you understand what the craving is so the next question is, oh, what do I want? Okay, well, maybe I want something crunchy. Maybe I want something salty. Maybe I want something quick. Maybe I want what's ever available. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do I need? So here I am. I'm a person. My blood sugars become elevated when I eat particular types of foods or particular amounts of foods. So what do I need to function, to nourish my body? And that's the next question. What do I want? What do I need? And then the last question, which is so pragmatic, what do I have? So, so many times I find myself at the end of uh, a week, I don't have a lot of food left in my house, I don't really have a lot of choices, and so what do I have? I really don't have a lot of options, and what I may have may not be what I want. And so I recognize that in order for me to meet this craving, I really have to ask and answer what do I want? What do I need? And what do I have? Uh, and all of those things and it starts a process of thinking and starts saying, well, what do I want? I really want something crunchy. What do I need? Well, I probably need uh, to really balance my carbs. I probably need to have some more vegetables. I probably need to have a little bit of protein. What do I have? And so then I might say to myself, well, I have peanut butter, but that doesn't really go with the baby carrots at all. Oh, wait, I have hummus. I could do the hummus and baby carrots. Uh, I have chips. I I like chips. I have some of those chips. Those are good. And hummus, that that could work. Yeah. You know, so I'm starting to turn around and say, well, what's really going to, you know, kind of wet my whistle here? What's really going to get me going?
0: Right. And I I love the three questions because it takes you beyond that. uh, Perhaps I think what predominates for people is what am I supposed to do right now? That you know, outside expert, yeah. what am I supposed to eat? Oh, I'm not supposed to have that thing I'm craving. So, you dig deeper and you're asking more more of a complex question that can be a lot more useful in terms of addressing that right. which comes up around the food
1: I, I love how you say that complex question because so many times, People have put nutrition in this. It's so easy. It's so simple. Anybody can do it. And really, when you think about this, we are really looking at, we call it a Venn diagram because we're looking at the overlap between three very dynamic things. What do I want? What do I need? What do I have? It's a very complex analysis. It is
0: a complex question. Right. And And our choices around food are, you know, mixed with all kinds of, you know, head knowledge, emotional, food preferences, financial ability, you know, like, what do we have in our home? What can we even afford to have? Exactly. You know, so, um, so that, I think, is a great tool that um, one could start to use um, f- around that physiological piece. But so what happens Um, If you're feeding yourself well and on time, you're meeting your energy needs, but you still struggle with cravings. So the second thing that you could take a look at is um, what is, um, take a look at what your needs are to move your body and engage your muscles physically. Um, For this one in particular, we can reference our other episodes on exercise, which uh, we've done two of them on Uh, exercise and activity one is called as powerful as a pill and the other is exercise your options so we would encourage you to take a look at that to help answer that question Um, and then you might actually be feeling well nourished and that you found activity and exercise that you engage in regularly that really works well for you but you still struggle with cravings so That's where we're going to dig a little bit further into additional tools and understanding about cravings. So I
1: think the first place to really dig in is understanding that cravings, you know, why do we feel like having a craving is abnormal? Well, let's go to the dictionary and kind of look up that definition. So the definition for craving is an intense, urgent, or abnormal desire or longing. And that, I think, is really where we get the sense that I'm broken if I have cravings. But I'd like to share a story, Marianne, is that okay? Yeah, oh
0: yeah, please.
1: So I had the chance to listen to the Dalai Lama give um, a a talk, and he asked a question to this audience, and he said, imagine that you had everything that you ever wanted. So, you know, we're kind of quiet, and we're imagining that all of our wants and cravings are completely met. And then he asked, he goes, would you stop craving?" and the room was silent and there was you know an intimate ten thousand of us in this room Um, and it was just really amazing to me that he really kind of got to the crux of the issue which is we practice we're we're craving beings that's the to be human is to crave and that we've been practicing wanting for our whole lives from the time we're born we want we crave things and so to me after hearing that having somebody ask that question if all my needs were met would I stop wanting and I wouldn't I would still crave so from that perspective if we can see craving as natural and normal that it's human I think it makes it so much easier to be with our cravings yeah that's that's a
0: really nice perspective
1: And I think that as we look at our cravings, sometimes our cravings and our needs are really, really closely linked. And sometimes I know as I'm struggling with a craving, I'm thinking like, you know, I shouldn't crave this, but I think it's natural to really want to get our needs met. And those are not just our needs for security, not just our needs for safety, not just our need for food, But a lot of times our cravings for those things are kind of mixed up in them. And so one of the things that really, really helped me was to think about my cravings and to separate them out from my needs. Does that that make sense, Mary? Yeah, I think
0: asking that question, like introducing the question. Right. Is this a craving or is this a need? Exactly. So I know
1: that I don't need coffee. It's pretty much a craving. But I look at my cravings and I say to myself, is there really any harm in that? Mm -hmm. And so I say, no, there's really not a lot of harm in me really loving my coffee. So I've kind of put it down as in the morning for me to have a happy, pleasant morning. Coffee is a need. It's not really a craving. (laughs) 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 But I definitely crave coffee in the afternoon, and I would put that as a craving. It's the same thing, but yeah. depending on the time of day, yeah. I just I like it. You yeah. know, I just I yeah. just really crave it. Mm-hmm. Now, I I'm not going to be too disappointed if I can't get that met, mm-hmm. but if I'm not sleeping well or I've had a really exhausting week, mm-hmm. you know what? That coffee in the afternoon that may move from a craving to a need mm. because I'm feeling myself nodding off. Yeah. And so, kind of really recognizing and allowing everybody to say is this a need or is this a craving and giving it a little bit more flexibility and softness around that Mm. I think is really helpful but I think a lot of times our cravings when they keep reappearing we keep saying over and over again you know this keeps coming back up I keep I keep having this craving for coffee in the afternoon it actually may be more of a need and it may be an invitation for me to dig a little bit deeper and say you know, Mika, are you sleeping at night? Like, what is going on that you're so sure. tired? Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I just, I appreciate the questions because in that word softening because the craving word I think is really hard and has this harshness about it that when someone says that they're just struggling with their cravings, there isn't, there's no positivity there that's presented. It's a struggle. It is. It's the struggle. Um, and um, looking for, like, I shouldn't have this. What's my problem? You the know. broken. Yeah, the broken. The broken. So, you know, and, and often the, the things that we're craving um, are foods, but we also crave things that are not food, and they may or may not be a negative thing, like even the sleep, you know. So, reckon, oh, I'm craving sleep. I'm really tired right now. So that that could be turned into a positive, you know, taking, like you said, a reflection back, what, what I need to be doing with my balance, my life balance. Right, and I think you hit the hammer
1: right on the head right there because I think it is so many times cravings are telling us we're out of balance. Mm.
0: Right, right. So we have, um, you know, when it's the food, which is really what, our clients are presenting to us um, is that there is an opportunity to develop some skills and be able to consider tolerating a craving so mm-hmm. could you tell us like how what, what did that mean you mm. know to tolerate a craving how would we look at that right so I had the pleasure of working
1: with a gentleman his name is Dr. Ron Thrabarge and uh, he was out of Brown University and he wrote an article that I read and I just loved and was so appreciative to talk with him about it, and it was called, um, Turning a Crave into a Wave, and he really presented some research that said, if we can pause and kind of detach our emotions from cravings and just look at a craving, he said, cravings have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that to me was, I, it just helped me so much that so many times this craving, you know, I can feel it coming on, and so my reaction would be (coughs) to suppress it, to turn and say, I'm not allowed to crave anything. And so all of a sudden it's like it's building, because I'm not acknowledging it. And I know you're- It's not
0: okay to be there, so- Yeah. The anxiety is rising. Exactly.
1: And there I am with this This craving that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I'm feeling like, you know what, I can't handle it. It's almost like a giant wave and it's going to crash over me and I'm going to get squashed by this craving. And, you know, he turned around and he said, hey, wait a second, let's rethink the craving. Let's try to surf it. And so what he said was, when the craving starts beginning, you're turning around saying, oh, it's like a wave I see this craving start, I'm going to just start paddling with it, I'm going to say, hey, I'm getting a craving, I'm getting a craving, what can I do, what can I do, how can I manage this craving? And then all of a sudden, the craving rises, and he's like, yep, so you're on the top of that wave, and you're going to just surf it through and say, well, how can I manage this? Can you this body wave? surf it? Kind <laughs> of. Like you know? The, and the image of that. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. So here we have these cravings, beginning, middle, and end, and a lot of times that just by taking that step back and saying, you know what? it's going to pass, you know, or it's not going to pass, and I am going to go, you know, honor this craving. Whichever you choose, it's fine, but just to recognize that it's normal, they have a beginning and a middle and end. A lot of times when we don't meet our physical needs, cravings really do rise up. They actually become that bigger wave. They're actually more likely to crush us. And so as we start getting curious about our cravings, that it really can help us surf them better
0: right so that's you know that's another tool that you can you can take in and explore at home so um, we've got some more tools to consider for cravings and they are three antidotes to help address cravings and the three of, of those are uh, practicing non-judgment um, Looking at curiosity around cravings and exploring kindness and self-compassion with your cravings. So the first one with non-judgment um, is partly going back to asking yourself, is this a craving or a need? Like taking a step back, trying to see it more neutrally. Um, you know, we tend to be in the cat- you know, putting cravings in a category of all the things that we blame our you know, selves for, you know. Everything is wrong or my diabetes or my eating or um, So uh, moving you know stepping back, making more of that distinction, what's going on here? Um, and if, if you're recognizing that there are unmet needs and just thinking how can I compassionately begin to try to address the needs if it's not a, a more of a temporary craving. It just keeps coming up over and over again. And this is part of lightening your load, as we talk about in other episodes, that when you're practicing non-judgment, you're doing more observation about it, that you are lightening the load of this whole craving struggle.
1: Right. Because you're not judging it. You're just watching it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and then try judge- to learn more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because judgment is heavy. Yes. So when we yeah. let go of judgment, we actually lighten our load. Yes.
0: So that's number one, and um, Migret, tell us about the second one. So the next one is about
1: curiosity, and when we shift from uh, a judgmental view to an observational view, and we start watching our experiences, we can really get curious about them, like, oh, isn't that interesting? And isn't that interesting, or I-T-I, is a phrase that Shar Wilkins who is um, a mindfulness teacher and instructor, um, you know, she likes to say, oh, this is an ITI moment. And I really love that because it's, there's so much innocence to that that it just really, first of all, it totally lightens the load right away. And it really allows us to create the conditions that we can look at our unknowing, we can look at our unawareness, and it's not like we're broken. And it's not like, you know, we can just turn around and say, oh, isn't that interesting? I really never noticed that. So going back to that curious stance can really open things up for people. And I think, again, it really allows us to personalize your plan because, you know, what works for somebody else may not be what's present
0: for you. So feel free not only to lighten your loan, but to personalize your plan. That's great. And I can see in different situations that our clients might face, they might be at a, a function with lots of food and mm-hmm. they're craving certain things and they might see that coming up repeatedly and they could say, Isn't that interesting? What you know, what is that about? And, you know, taking some steps back. Wow, what could I learn from that? Is there a pattern on these days? You know, mm. have I been feeding myself? Are these connected with these Intense work days, and I haven't taken time to feed myself, or I've got some emotions coming up about I'm uncomfortable in this particular social situation. So, you know, what are those, where are those, you know, situations arising and asking, introducing that question? I love it. Um, So, a little paraphrase of a, Message from a psychotherapist from Chicago, Amy Grabowski, who Amy Grabowski, who is works um, primarily with eating disorders. But um, a message that she shares is that using more areas of your brain um, on your health journey will be more effective, such as writing in a journal, reading aloud, draw drawing images, making collages, meditating, stretching and doing yoga, and I can see these as helping even with the exploration around non-judgment or asking yourself that question, the ITI question. Isn't that interesting? You know, those different things that she's suggesting could help use different areas of your brain to explore that.
1: And I think when you talk about those things, just to really normalize them, I love to draw and color, and it took me a long time to give myself permission to use that time, because what I draw and what I color, they're not works of art. Like, I don't frame this stuff. Most of the time, I just throw it away. You know, I'm an avid journaler. I've been journaling for decades, and what I write is the most boring, useless, unimaginative stuff in the world, but it's what's in me. It's what's present. And it helps me sort through all of the stuff that makes me me. But it's not like I'm journaling and it's going to be published. No, it should be burned. It's wretched. It's a tool. (laughs) It's a tool. It's a tool for understanding and exploring. And I think so many times people are like, well, if it's not good, why would I do it? Because it's What's alive in you? That's why we do it, right?
0: And and sometimes the whole the written word is intimidating. I mean, I'm also a journaler and find that really h- helpful. But for some, the written word is very intimidating for some of the reasons that you mentioned. Like they're thinking, okay, I got to get it right, but it's only your writing, you know. So you can use it the way you want. But the often um using, you know, expressing yourself through and drawing can actually sometimes help things to emerge. And like you said doesn't have to be any piece of art it just is an expression it's a tool you're using different parts of your brain to access these Mm -hmm. these things Um, so the third antidote is using kindness and self compassion around cravings so at times we're engaging in what we might call acts of self-harm around eating more when we're clearly aware of fullness and It's so helpful to consider being, you know, offering some self-compassion and kindness in these moments. Uh, We do dig into the self-compassion in a couple of our episodes you may want to reference. One is what comes first, recognizing thoughts which prevent change. And the second episode you can reference is surprising benefits of self-compassion. But let, we're going to just walk through a little example of how you could use the self-compassion and kindness when you're addressing cravings. Right. So my favorite little um, trick or
1: tool is to, for me to pause and just imagine my favorite five-year-old. So I have a favorite five-year-old, I actually have two favorite five-year-olds. They're not five anymore, but I can imagine them when they were five, and those are my two kids. And I just imagine, like, what would I say to either of my children when they were five? Like, what would I have done? How would I have expressed a compassionate boundary? How would I have expressed a compassionate, uh, some empathy around whatever they're struggling with? And so, to me, when I channel my favorite five-year-old, I almost always come up with a compassionate
0: um, way of handling the situation, yeah, that's, that's a great way to do that. You know, the, another way to think about it is that in that spirit of cravings are part of the human experience, and they're going to come up, and sometimes we have to look at these um, you know, alternative questions um, to ask ourselves, but we might also think about how we handle other things, other challenges in mm-hmm. our life. So, you know, in the course of the day, we're eating three meals and we may have snacks, you know, we might have multiple snacks. Um, In that course of that day, that's sort of like your collection or your total accumulation or budget around food and fueling your body. We also budget our money and we plan for the things that we know are coming our way we are planning for also the unexpected expenses, emergencies, and we're also often planning to have entertainment and fun and pleasure Mm -hmm. in that budget. And so if we're thinking about how we might allot ourselves those cushions in a budget with money, we can think about how our whole day around food might um, allow for that. You know in a budgeting kind of sense right um, and you're budgeting fun too
1: yeah, like we yeah. budget to go out to the movies and i mean now it's so expensive you basically have to take out a, a loan um <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking at alternatives like
0: can you do this at home <laughs> <laughs>
1: right exactly yeah. but we budget for you know having fun in our lives and so like you said with food it's no different we want to have a diet that's flexible enough that we can have enjoyable things yeah. in our diet and we're not yeah. just getting the minimum we're trying to have a life that meets our needs and and gives us joy
0: right and not and not being so strict and getting into restriction um so that those cravings might come from a place of deprivation exactly so we want to be very sensitive and alert to that mm-hmm. possibility
1: yeah and i think it's really helpful to also kind of get comfortable with considering what antidote you could antidote you can apply when you're feeling these cravings you're going to have them so you can turn and say hey next time I have a craving Do I want to try to be non-judgmental about them? Do I want to try to apply this curiosity? Or do I want to try to apply some self-compassion? And there isn't a right antidote. I think it's just whichever one you feel comfortable or you think might work in this situation. But the key is, is that by pausing and really turning around saying, cravings are normal. I've got some choices here. What choice do I want to make? I think that that can really help us. And that seeing that choice and seeing that cravings are normal. I learned a lot of tools in this podcast. So again, you know, if you don't remember them, non-judgment. I'm having a craving. It's not the end of the world. Curiosity. Isn't that interesting? I am really craving a lot. Self-compassion. What would I do for my inner five-year-old? Like, what would if I, what would I say to a five-year-old? Those are the three tools that we are suggesting you apply the next time you have a greeting.
0: That's great, and we will include some of these um, in the show notes, list them out, and, and also that Venn diagram, which mm-hmm. could, be, could be helpful as well. So I'm gonna end with a gratitude, um, a quote from M.F.K. Fisher from The Art of Eating. It seems to me that our three basic needs for hunger, security, and love are so mixed and mingled and entwined that we cannot straightly think of one without the others. So it happens that when I write of hunger, I'm really writing about love and the hunger for it and warmth and the love of it and the hunger for it. And then the warmth and the richness and fine reality of hunger satisfied. And it is all one. Thanks for listening, and we hope that you'll explore the other podcasts to, to, to uh, help you out with some of the other areas that we cover today.
1: Thank you.
2: Wentworth Health Partners offers a variety of programs to support you on your health journey with diabetes. This includes our monthly support program, two nutrition classes, and our two diabetes self-management training classes. Our classes include eating well with diabetes. This is our nutrition class that covers the essentials and offers a way to end the confusion and start you on a personalized plan to better eating with diabetes. Food Choices for Diabetes is our nutrition class that focuses on the strategies for making effective and painless changes to optimize your health with diabetes as you continue to build on nutrition. Living Well with Diabetes is our self-management class that will help you understand diabetes, learn about the goal of care, and discover how to live a vibrant life with diabetes. Health Choices for Diabetes is a self-management class that discusses ways to get active, develop strategies to overcome roadblocks, answer questions about medications, and identify what to do when managing illness. Additionally, individual appointments are available for diabetes education or nutrition consultation. Lastly, we all need support, so please join us for our monthly diabetes community education program. Meeting with your peers provides education and ideas on a variety of topics from nutrition to medications and self-compassion for people with diabetes. It's easy to participate in this free monthly program on Tuesday evenings at Wentworth Douglas Hospital. Please go to the Wentworth Douglas Hospital website, wdhospital.com. Click on the News and Events tab to see the monthly program topic. While there, you can find full descriptions of our programs under the Specialty and Services tab, which leads you to the Diabetes Services page.